but we need to have the accent of heaven. You know, my Italian dad, he still talk like this, you know. How you doing today? You're not going to think he's Chinese. You're not going to go up to him and go, are you from China? Because his accent gives him away. We've got too many churchians today that have lost their accent. And we can't tell the difference of where they're from. Heavenly Father, this morning, may the accent of heaven come and bring to us the truth that the cross is the final word. Stamp eternity on our hearts and the patterns of eternity in our lives today. We don't want to have a service this morning. We want to be equipped to serve you, Jesus, today. Come and speak to our hearts. Father, let us not preach today. Let us reach today more than preach and come with your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So good to be with you. Thanks, guys. What an awesome sense of God's presence. Thank you for your commitment and your love for God and to lead us. This is not what we do before the real stuff happens. Do you know how many Christians I have met that turn up to church just before the preaching because they don't like the loud music? The worship's for him, not for us. But he can't help himself but touch us when we give all to him. So thank you, team, executive, uh, executive team, uh, <laughs> you know, the, what do we call it? Worship team? Uh, creative team, that was the word I was thinking for. And uh, I also want to thank you for being honouring in releasing Joel to, and his family to come to Adelaide. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't know anything about it because I'm not at edge anymore. I've been gone for three years now, nearly four. And uh, God allowed me to have the privilege to see the next generation rise up. And, you know, I'd rather resign a day early and be missed than a day later and be hissed. So, you know, I, you know, <laughs> you know I want to do it when it's right. And it's been a wonderful opportunity. And then to find out that Joel and his family were coming to work with our youth. And it's just really exploding at the moment. One of the things they're doing is they're going into stained glass windowed churches you know, like in the centre of our city, like Lutheran, Baptist churches that have never had young people in them. And they've asked pastors of those churches, would you like to have us come in once a month and do a gathering of young people to worship in your church? And it's exploded. And so we've got older people that for 30 years have been believing for young people to come into their traditional evangelical church, never saw it happen, and now they're seeing on a regular basis an army of young people coming in from across the city to worship in those buildings and see God do some amazing things. How good is that? It's absolutely fantastic. So thank you for partnering with the body of Christ. You know, there's only one church. It's called God's church. He didn't say he'll build his churches. People divorce churches and marry other churches thinking that that's, you know, just the way it rolls. But at the end of the day... If you leave a church you don't like and you join a church you do like and keep talking about the one you don't like, you're not walking with Jesus. Because how can you attack the body of Christ that he said he would give his life for? We're not perfect. We do have issues. I grew up in one of those churches, the Italian church I grew up in. I've told you many times, my auntie was the ambulance. You know, when the presence of God came, she'd start... <laughs> Testimony time. I mean, I grew up with some pretty weird stuff. I'm still standing here today because I didn't give my life to the church. I gave my life to the Christ of the church. And when you give your life to the Christ of the church, you'll want to build his church his way. I've seen deacon-possessed churches. I've been in board meetings. I was in one of those Italian board meetings where there was a punch-up. I was 14 years old. 
You think I'm still standing here today? Why am I telling you that? Because on the 22nd of January 2016, our eldest son passed away and went to heaven. And if churchianity was what was going to hold me together, I'd be pretty stuffed right now. It wasn't churchianity and what I saw in the church that held me together. It was my own personal walk with a living Christ that able to, I didn't have to change my theology when my son died. I walk with a limp today. I walk with pain. I cry pretty well every day. The pain has not gone away. But there is a knowledge of him. There is a knowledge of God. There is a knowledge of knowing the things about him that cannot be denied. That I can trust in his sovereignty when I don't have clarity. I can trust in his ability to carry me when the pain is so deep. And on that note, I want to take this opportunity to thank this church for your unbelievable, unbelievable generosity. Nearly two years ago when Chris passed and we didn't know what to do and our daughter-in-law was left with four little kids and we did everything we could as a family, as a father, I would have sold my home, done whatever to help those little kids, to help you know this uh, fatherless family right now. And you as a church, I remember taking up a very large love gift. And guys, you need to know that our daughter-in-law, Lisa, has been able to put all the love gifts together, plus the payout of Chris's accident, and bought a house for those kids. And so those kids are now living in a home. And thank you for being part of that with us. And I'm very, very grateful. You know, you didn't have to do that. Nobody has to do anything. But the body of Christ, when it does what the body of Christ does best, it smells with an aroma that is just beyond human understanding. And I today have the privilege and the pain, you know, of seeing those little kids have a roof over their head and they're in church every week and the pain of not having dad around, but also the privilege of having a church that supports them to the point where those kids have decided they're going to follow Jesus. Our eldest grandson, Ezekiel, he's 15 years old. And he came to me the other day and he goes, no, no, I want to be a youth pastor and finish the work that my daddy started. You know, how many kids would say, if that's a God of love, you know where you can shove it. But this kid wants to serve Jesus in the midst of his pain, writing poems to his dad in heaven. In fact, I, I, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it now because you've been with me through this pain. And this is my first time with you. If I've got it here, I'll just have a look. I think I have is after our son passed away, our, son, our grandson Ezekiel wrote a letter to his dad uh, in heaven. I want to read it to you. Is that okay? 15 years old. Everyone who's looking at this post right now, I want to ask you a favour, please. Cherish your fathers, not just today, but every day. Don't take them for granted. Cherish every moment you spend with him. Make jokes, build Lego, read stories, watch movies, do whatever you like to do with your dad because he won't always be there. I only had my dad for 14 years. He passed before he turned 40, and I wished I'd spent more time with him. I wish that I'd treasured him more. I wish he didn't go. I've written a poem for him, and I'm sending it up to heaven for him to read. It's called My Father, and it's about me having a conversation with my dad about him leaving us and going to heaven, and I'd like you to read it. Please, my father, I beg you to stay. Don't worry, Zeke, we'll meet again someday. Help me, Father, I'm so upset. You are someone I won't ever forget. Come, my Father, we need you here. Don't worry, Zeke, I'm always near. Hey, my Father, why'd you go? God has his reasons, you'll never know. Dear my Father, you're forever in my heart. From this day forward, we will never drift apart. Goodbye, my Father, 
You were my own. It's okay, Zeke. Daddy's home. 14, after his dad's death, he writes poems like that. Yes, we live with pain, but I don't know where we'd be without the gospel. And I'm telling you that this morning, that when the church truly becomes the church, we don't become a fragmented group of broken people that can't sort out our issues. We become the sons and daughters of God that only bring, not only bring hope to the house of God, but bring hope to the world. And I want to tell you, churchianity ain't going to fix my kids' future, my grandkids' future. You know, church politics are not going to fix my kids' future. What we need is a fresh revelation of a new era of the church of Jesus rising up and becoming all that God's called us to be according to the written word of God. And so before Chris passed, God started to prepare my heart for this new era of my life. But with Chris passing. It's intensified and showed me that I don't want to waste my life. I want to live my life with eternal purpose. I want to live my life building eternal patterns and I want to make sure whatever I preach in church is not a band-aid solution or a nice little sermon. I'm a little tired of sermonating and uh, I want to preach the word of God and we don't know whether we're guaranteed tomorrow and God has released me to go to the body of Christ with a prophetic message so even though I have a message that some of you will sit here today and will think is he having a go at that is he having a go at that is he having a go at the people that have left no I'm not having a go at anyone this morning you need to hear the now word of the Lord for the church because what I'm bringing is not just for Generations Church this morning. It is a message that I tweak every week because I'm in a different church every week. That is a prophetic picture of something God has been preparing me for for the last 40 years. At the birth of my ministry, God spoke me, spoke to me about speaking on patterns. The patterns from God's word that are never, ever going to change. The patterns that will last through every generation and through every era of church life. And as I've now moved into this new season, I'm preaching those patterns and pictures that God gives me out of Scripture. And I remember a few months ago, a man of God came to me and said, Pastor Danny, I've been watching and listening to your podcasts, listening to your sermons, and I can see where you've pinched them from. And I go, really? He goes, yeah, you've been pinching them from A.W. Tozer. I said, who's he? And I said, I've never, ever read one of his books. I think I had heard his name. And he was a writer who passed away. He was a pastor, a preacher who passed away in the 60s. And he wrote a book called The Dangers of a Shallow Faith. You ought to buy it. You ought to get it. The Dangers of a Shallow Faith. He said, everything you are preaching is in that book. Marty, I went and got the book. And I read it, even the same words, about getting back to biblical pattern. And I thought, I never met this guy. He died in the 60s. I had no idea. It's the same Jesus. And if this ja- Jesus doesn't have a speech problem. He doesn't have a speech impediment. When he speaks and repeats himself through generations, it's because he's wanting to bring his prophetic picture to the church. And I pray what I'm going to share with you today will encourage you. It will build you up, but also give you some clarity. You see, in the Old Testament, this is in the book that I just mentioned, The Dangers of a Shallow Faith by uh, the Reverend James Snyder writes the foreword to the book. And this is what he says. In the Old Testament, the prophets told of things to come. While in the New Testament, they served as a form of troubleshooter for the church, 
pointing out errors and heresies and then offering the solutions in a way that pointed the group of believers back to Christ. That's what I'm called to do. So please, today, I'm not scratching Marty's back because he's my friend. That is ungodly to do that. I'm bringing a word that if you go on podcasts, you'll see I'm bringing to the body of Christ. And yet there's aspects of this that will really make sense to your journey. Because I believe that when Jesus comes to his church, he has to first clean out before there can be a breakout. When Jesus came into the temple with a whip, he cleaned out the temple. And guess what happens afterwards? The children come running into the temple. Amazing things begin to happen. Miracles break out. But it didn't happen until there was a clean out. After clean out comes a breakout. God will always sift, shift and lift. That's what God does in the body of Christ and in our personal lives. He's still doing it in my life right now and will until the day I see Jesus. And so when I read that passage of scripture, the Holy Spirit said to me, when we allow the Holy Spirit to clean the church, we prepare the way for future generations. The children ran into the temple and the religious people said, these kids running around the temple. I'm not just talking about an age thing, but I'm talking about a spirit thing of the next thing, the next wave, the next thing that God wants to bring to the church. But you see, I asked God one day, if you were to come into my church at Edge, I said, God, when I was still pastoring Edge Church, what would you clean out? He said, personal agendas, polluted motives and perverted mission. That's all that was going on in the temple. People were satisfying their own wants in the house of God. And anyone that uses the house of God to build their own world and their own ministry is not what God wants. Years ago, at the age of 27, God said, don't you ever make a decision on what's best for Danny. Always make decisions on what's best for the kingdom. And I'll look after Danny. I've seen him through high times, low times, through the death of our son. I've learned how to sit And let others minister to me that love me, not just love my ministry. Thank God for people that love me, not for the size of my church, but for the size of my heart. For the fact that I'm their Christian brother. And that, you know, they're my Christian brothers and sisters. I've had to sit and let others carry me. But I've had to also stand and stand on all that I know about God. Because I remember when he called me into the ministry and it wasn't a job opportunity. I remember the call of God. I remember the price that had to be paid because I didn't want to go into ministry. It's amazing how many people want ministry and often they're not the people God chooses. He chooses those that are reluctant. I don't want this. I don't want this. You're ready. (laughs) And I knew what to stand on when Chris died, even though I had to sit and let others minister to me. But I also know how to sing again. I knew how to stand. You know, for months after Chris passed, I would be in church worshipping God. I was on a sabbatical. I wasn't preaching. I was just in church worshipping God. And all I would see was his coffin. All I would see would be his funeral day. And so there I am worshipping. And I'm not using these words, but it might as well have been these words. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been called a narcissist. I've been called a control freak. I've been taught sucking up to people. Over, over 30 years, I've been the fourth member of the Trinity. Oh, Pastor Danny, you're so amazing. Oh, if I can only be like you. I think I'm not that good. And the other days, I'm the devil. And you think, I don't think I can be that bad either. I can be bad, but I'm not sure I can be that bad. 
And when you're in public life, let alone what people like the media do, I was the subject of attack from the media for 11 days straight on the front lawn of our house. Everything they wrote about me was a lie. And then all my Italian relatives stopped talking to me because I was a multi-millionaire that was stealing money from the church while I had a $300,000 mortgage on my house and the house was only worth, worth about four fifty. You know, and you think, why spoil the truth? You know, why, you know, don't spoil a good story with the truth. You know, and so I've learned to work through all those seasons. I've learned to sit. I've learned to stand. I've learned to sing, but I'm still serving. And people go, oh, Pastor Danny, it must be so good for you to be so busy so you can get your mind off your son's death. You've got to be joking. No, 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 no. I'm not doing this to keep busy. It's because I believe in the resurrection and that's why I serve Jesus Christ because we are not in eternity yet. This is temporal life. It's not eternal life. Jesus came to give us eternal life, not temporal life. We're passing through. Solomon tried everything under the sun and he said it all sucketh. If you go and read the Old Testament, that's what he said. He tried everything under the sun and none of it made any sense. The women, the money, the vineyards, the, the wine. He never tried anything above the sun. That's the problem. If you go and read in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it's under the sun, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. Try something above the sun. Last time I checked, we're all dying. The day that I stood at my son's funeral, it wasn't a 40-year-old, 39-year-old body in that coffin. It was my little boy. It was my little boy. And I felt like the day before he'd only been born. Even though he'd been married 18 years, there was a sense where, where did all that go? I just remember when he was born and now he's gone. And I'm going to be alive a lot less without him than I was with him alive. Wow. I better make sure I get this right. I better make sure that one day we'll be together in eternity serving God. And so I want to tell you, my friends, today, I am so committed to honouring Jesus like I always have, but to make sure when we speak into the life of a church, we speak the things that God is genuinely saying. God gave me patterns as a young man in 1994 from scriptures. That's why I have written a pattern book about the patterns from scripture that are not suggestions. They are non-negotiables. We should never build the church the way we want to build it. We've got to build it the way he wants it built. And the problem in Western society is we've got some issues. Now, a few months ago, I was flying to Brisbane and the Holy Spirit, I want you to judge this today, it's being recorded. I was flying to Brisbane and the Holy Spirit said there are three kinds of churches emerging in Australia right now. Now, before I go any further, when I got home or when I got to Brisbane, sorry, I rang Pastor Jonathan. I said, Jonathan, I want to submit to you what I've just seen in the spirit while I was flying in the aeroplane. He says to me, you're joking. I said, no, this is what I've seen. He said, don't you remember? I said, what do you mean, don't you remember? He goes, David McCracken prophesied over you in 2006. I said, and he mentioned some of the prophecy. And I go, of course, I had totally forgotten it. I said, can you please go and get the recording? They found the video. I mean, I'm not going to show it to you this morning because it takes a bit too long. Plus, I had hair. <laughs> and I was a lot skinnier. 
I went to the doctor the other day and I said, doctor, you've got to understand, obesity runs in our family. He said to me, sir, nobody runs in your family. <laughs> oh, oh. I was skinny and had hair. 2006, we had a white platform. You remember the days when we had that white platform at Edge? And he pr- prophesied for 12 minutes. That's why I've got it here, but I won't show it to you. I know you trust what I'm saying. And he prophesied that he saw a room. Now, I'm Italian. I like food. You know, the Lord saved me from a lot of things, but eating wasn't included. And so what happened was he saw a big room full of people waiting for lunch. And he goes, what happens is the first person that walked in to serve lunch brought in all these boxes for everybody that was willing, that was sitting down to eat lunch. And as they opened their boxes, there was some stale water and stale bread that the people couldn't eat, even though they were hungry because it had gone off. Then he said a second person walks in to bring food to the people. And as they opened it, the boxes were full of cherry ripes, twisties, Coke, junk food. And people were just about to eat it and realised, we can't eat this because we're on an empty stomach and this junk food's going to make us sick. It's just too rich and it's going to make us sick. Then he said a third person walked in. And as I looked up, he felt that it was me, the pastor of Edge Church. And I brought in a box and as the people opened up the box, there was only freshly baked health bread and fresh spring water. And the people were going, why, do we sh- why should we eat this when we've got twisties and coke and everything else? But they realised as the people ate the good lunch, while others were not eating of it and watching, that the people that ate the good lunch started to feel good and started to get healthy. I mean, this was a vision, so it's not like a real story. It's what he saw prophetically. And he said this, he says, you know, Pastor Danny, God's going to take you around the world and he's going to take you around the nation to dish up that third lunch. He says, because people need to have fresh revelation, which is fresh bread, and the water, which speaks of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'd forgotten about this. Now, let me take you to the story. I'm flying to Brisbane, and the Lord said, there's three churches in Australia being built right now across this nation. Trendy church, traditional church, and truth-honouring church. The Holy Spirit said to me those three things. And I began to write on my phone what God was downloading to me. And it wasn't until I watched the video of 2006. He said, you're going to go to country towns. You're going to go across the nations. You're going to go to places that nobody wants to go. And you're going to bring that lunchbox. That's what I'm doing here this morning. And I'm going to submit to you those three churches as we look at them. Let's start with Trendy Church. All over Australia today, there is trendy church now. Trendy church, and these things are not wrong, but they're not all. Listen to me. Trendy church have all the contemporary expressions. Well-executed programs. Facilities of high standard. Great platforms. Amazing music. Great programs. The only problem is a lot of the trendy churches are using those programs to keep people in church not necessary discipling them in Christ. And the Holy Spirit said to me, programs will keep people in church, but biblical pattern will keep people in Christ. And when my son died, it wasn't the church programs that helped me. It wasn't just the care and pastoral care and the connection with the church. 
It was my conviction of the cause of Christ. And let me tell you, trendy church grows fast. Trendy church looks like it's successful because in Australia, we've interpreted bums on seats as God. But I can take you to Mormon churches all over the world that are bigger than ours. Are they God? More Muslims go out and pray every day than Christians go and pray. Does that mean God's in it because of the crowd? And so in Australia, we've come up with these expressions and the Holy Spirit said to me, be careful not to build Christmas trees instead of fruit trees. See, we can get a Christmas tree and put it up here this morning and hang all the gifts on it. Turn on the thing at the wall, the lights go on and people go, wow, doesn't that look awesome? But that tree can't feed you. That tree can't sustain you when you go through a tough time because they are gifts that hang on a tree are not born from that tree. But if I put a fruit tree up here, my father has his fruit trees in his front yard. It's called um, interior, not interior decorating, but it's called landscaping, you know. My father grows most of his veggies in the front yard, you know. We don't have that kind of landscaping in Aussie world. I watch him prune those mandarin trees till there's a little stick coming out of the ground and I think, you've destroyed that thing. And then next season, there's the biggest mandarins you could ever find. There might not be as many as there last season, but they're much better quality, even though there are less. A mandarin tree can feed you. When you're thirsty, it can quench your thirst. It can sustain you if you're stuck somewhere and you've got no food, that can sustain you. And the Holy Spirit said, when we're only committed to building trendy church, what happens is we end up with Christmas trees. You see, if someone leaves a church with bad character and they go to trendy church, trendy church is not going to check on their character. Trendy church is not going to ask the questions like, what's your marriage like? What's your relationship with Jesus like? You got a gift, let's grab it. And so we grab the gift and hang it on a tree. Put it on a place where people can see. But behind closed doors, your life could be falling apart. I have a conviction you don't transfer your gift. You transfer who you are. And I want to tell you, we've got to impart holiness. So at the beginning of 2017, I was told I had bowel cancer. So in 2016, my son dies. Oh, Pastor Danny, it's going to get better in 2017. A new beginning. 2017, I get called in by my doctor and I get told that I have the potential. They're not sure that it's fully bowel cancer, but they're pretty convinced it's a calcinoid. They did some x-rays and did some, I had a colonoscopy and they found a tumour on my bowel that they thought was a calcinoid. So I had to go in for my operation and my doctor was a Samoan and his name was Jimmy Etuati. And I said, hey doctor, is this serious? He goes, ah, just call me Jimmy, eh? I thought, hey, this is not a hungy. You're going to have to work on this thing. I mean, you know, I've got to make sure you're qualified. I didn't say that to him. But in my head, this little short guy, chubby with a Hawaiian shirt, is going to open me up. I said to him, Dr. Jimmy, Jimmy, he says, just call me Jimmy, eh? I said, do I have to have chemo after the operation? He goes, you probably do. I said, will I lose my hair? <laughs> He just laughed at me. He goes, it's not funny. I said, yeah, I know, but what do you do? I said, yeah, sometimes you've got to laugh, eh? I said, another question. Will I be able to play the piano after the operation? 
And he goes, what's that got to do with your operation? I said, will I be able to play the piano after the operation? He goes, yes, you will. I said, that's great, because I couldn't play it before. So, <laughs> so Dr. Jimmy and I became great friends. I was coming out of the anaesthetic from the operation. And by the way, it was a benign tumour because sometimes I tell the story and I forget to tell the outcome. Uh, and so I didn't have to have chemo, but I had to wait seven days for the result. And that was an interesting journey. I haven't got time to talk to you about that right now. But as I'm coming out of the anaesthetic and I'm being wheeled into intensive care for two days, I said to the nurse, quick, get my phone. She goes, you're not allowed to ring anybody. You're in intensive care. I said, no, I'm getting a revelation from God. <laughs> she now knew I was tripping out. And I wrote this on my phone. God has no grace for carnality. He only has grace for broken humanity. Oh my goodness. I wrote that down. And then scriptures started to come while I'm under the anesthetic. Maybe that helped. I don't know. But I'm under the anesthetic. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know Trendy Church prays? Trendy church pursues God to bless what they're doing. Bless our crowd. Bless, thank you for the new people that are coming. Bless this, bless that, bless that. But it's blessing what you've planned and God resists it. And you think, how can you resist something if it's not coming towards you? If Marty, you were coming towards me right now and I'm resisting you, it's because you're coming towards me. And the Holy Spirit said, trendy church won't deal with the root issues of brokenness. We will only hang on to the gift. But what we don't repair, one day we will repeat. What we don't repair in our brokenness. See, it's not that the church is whole and the world is broken. The church is just as broken as the world out there. And what God is saying is, I want an era where we're honest. I'm attracted to brokenness. God wants us to be broken but open. Hey, I'm insecure. Hey, I got hurt by that pastor. God, I hurt by that. It's not that you don't identify your hurt. It's what you do with it. If you take that hurt with you and you take it where you go and you rehearse it and you keep gossiping about where you've come from, God will eventually resist that level of pride. And it's an indication you're not walking with Jesus. Because when you walk with Jesus and have stuff inside of you of unforgiveness, not dealing with issues, not dealing with stuff that's breaking you, there's something called the uh-uh of the Holy Spirit. When I do wrong, I get uh-uh. Don't do that. It's not that people can't leave churches. It's how we leave and how we continue to honour Jesus in our walk with him. And what attracts Jesus is, hey, I'm broken. Hey, I'm hurt. But I want to heal that hurt. I want to get into godly pattern. I want to represent Jesus through that hurt, God never resists that. He gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. He says to me, I have no grace for carnality because wherever there's pride, God has to walk away and resist it. And I want to tell you, humility is one of the greatest signs. When I handed over my church, let me tell you, some Christians treated me different because I wasn't the big shot anymore. I'm not the big shot anymore. And so, you know, uh, we move on to the next guy because he can open doors for you. Now you can't anymore. Some of the stuff I had to go through. But at the end of the day, I found out I was a bit broken. 
I reacted sometimes when people said stuff to me. How does it feel now that you're retired? I'm away every weekend. I'm working my guts out and I feel like fighting back. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, there's a little bit of stuff that you've got to deal with. <laughs> thanks to God. I say to my father, how are you going, Dad? He goes, oh, thanks to God. That's the life, you know. God wants to bring you to the thanks of God. That's the life, you know. Because my father sits next to my mother who's dementia and she is sick. And last night she got punched and kicked in the nursing home. I got a phone call from the nursing home. And my father sits from morning to night holding her hand, goes home to sleep, comes back the next morning and sits with my mum who can't talk and only spits and fights and kicks. And you say, how you going, Dad? Oh, thanks to God, you know. I want to get to the thanks of God, you know. That's a life in the good times and the bad times. And trendy church can't take you there because it won't deal with the issues. So the Holy Spirit says this to me. He says, Danny, um, there's an Ishmael church that's being born, which is trendy church. Now, some of you that don't know your Bibles very well, you may be new Christians. There was a man called Abraham and he had two sons. One was called Isaac and one was called Ishmael. Ishmael was the son that he tried to make a miracle happen and he was uh, committed to making that son come to him because he had no kids and he had sex with his uh, wife's helper and tried to produce in the flesh what could only be seeded by God. Ishmael churches are churches that are born out of the flesh without God starting them. And they are starting up all over Australia and it's keeping me in a job. I'm on the road every week talking to broken churches that started so great and now they're splitting. And one of the reasons is you can't start a church like you start a chicken shop. You can't start a church like you're starting a fruit shop. It's got to be born of God. So Abraham gives Isaac, God gives Abraham Isaac through supernatural miracle. The virgin birth of Mary was that the seed started in heaven, but the flesh cooperated and gave birth to Jesus. And unless a church is virgin birthed, unless a church is born of the Spirit of God, we've got to sustain it in the flesh. Now listen to me careful. One day God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, take your only son. But he had two sons. But he only speaks to him about, about Isaac. God will never speak to us about what we birth in the flesh. He will only ever speak to us about what he births in us. When the golden calf was made by Aaron, by Aaron Moses' brother, his older brother, there's a story right there, three years older, and there's Moses going off with the young blokes. Don't tell me there was some brotherly issues there. We won't go there this morning. But Aaron builds a golden calf. And all the people go, make us the God that we want. Make the church the way we want it to be. And so Aaron makes the church the people wanted. Do you know how much obedience goes into disobedience? I can't imagine every woman and girl giving up their jewellery immediately. You think that's a miracle. You wouldn't get one woman go, hey, that's my jewellery. They all handed it over. As Aaron, and people thought, oh, it's got to be right because look at the unity. Look how well everybody's connected. Really? And God comes down from heaven. Uh, sorry, Moses comes down from the mountain and never speaks to Aaron. Sorry, God 
speaks to Moses. I'm running ahead of myself. As Moses comes down the mountain and says, Moses, your people. Why didn't God go up to Aaron and go, you idiot? What do you think you were doing? Because God never spoke to Aaron because Aaron put himself in a position of leadership God never put him in. And when we put ourselves in positions God never wants us in, God never speaks to us about it. So we build out of reason rather than revelation. Because the church of Jesus Christ can only be built by revelation. This gets good. I know you're sitting there going, wow, by the end of this, you're going to be really happy. But I, I, I want to say this morning, this is biblical truth. God only empowers what he births, what he initiates. And that's why tonight, in the heartbeat, I'm going to ask you some questions. Is this church born of God? I'm going to ask you those questions. Was this church birthed of God or was it some man's idea? Because I've discovered God looks after what he starts. People have left our church for years. It's stronger and better than it's ever been. Why? Because we built what God told us to build. But people don't always like what God's called you to build. But we don't change what we build to keep people. And so trendy church, right, is the Ishmael church that builds out of reason and not revelation. They predominantly preach on grace. They preach on tolerance, acceptance, love, and you can reach your dreams. Who wouldn't like sermons like that? I love them. Should we preach that? Yes. But it's not ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's part of the gospel. It's not the whole gospel. And if the why behind our what is wrong and we preach this stuff to get people into church, you won't keep them there forever because what builds a church in stage one is not what builds a church in stage two and three. In stage one, you have a feel-good fellowship church, but in stage two, you build an ownership church where people own the vision together. And if all we're providing is grace, tolerance, acceptance, love, they will bless the crowd but not build disciples. Ishmael churches become born out of the flesh and they often build out of reaction. We don't like that, we don't like that, so we're going to go and build what we do like. They start with tol tolerance, sorry, they start with talent over biblical truth. They see fast and accelerated growth. They don't research people's history when putting people into positions, but sadly, history will repeat itself at some time. They set up programs to keep people, great follow up at first. They give people opportunity to be in leadership. In our church, I had a guy come to me just before I left. Hey, Danny, I don't believe in God anymore. Really? He was one of our workers. Why? Well, I'd just been hurt. I was abused as a child when I was on some mission field, and, and that's sad, and that's really, really sad. But, I mean, he's been working for ages, and now he says, I don't believe in God anymore. Someone leaves our church disgruntled and starts a church five minutes away. Two weeks later, that guy's the children's pastor. How do you go from not believing in God to becoming a children's pastor? Because there's a hole to fill and we'll grab gift and we will grab talent to fill that hole. Now, for a while, all, these churches all look the same. You go to Edge Church, it's trendy. It preaches grace. It does all the things I've talked about, but that's not all it does. It's surrendered to the patterns of God that we won't use people for their gift. We want them to be fully developed in Christ, even if it's a journey. But at least we're going on the journey. And so, so people don't get offended. 
Oh, for Jesus, I'm offended. <laughs> Let me move quickly. Good people, but wrong pattern. 1994, I start with 40 people. Pastor Bill Bates, a beautiful Assemblies of God pastor, a lovely man, comes to me, he goes, Danny, you need to put people into positions or you're going to lose them. I loved him. He was, his heart was right. He's passed away, he's in heaven now, but he ended up being a huge blessing to me. He goes, Danny, if you don't put home group leaders in, if you don't do this, the church is just starting, you're going to lose everybody. So I listened to it. And I released people that had come from other churches but never dealt with their pain. So we ended up with about 20 churches within the church. Over here was a home group that believed that Jesse, Jesse Duplantis had been to heaven and come back and what an amazing story. Someone over here that said that's from the devil. So all of a sudden I've got all these different belief systems within our church. But you know, as I began to bring God's pattern, they all left. Because they didn't come to be positioned to build God's house. They came looking for position because Danny was cool. Youth Alive director, fast growing church. Everybody wanted to join Danny's church. They're the people that thought I was the fourth member of the Trinity. And they loved my caressing. They didn't like my correcting. And when I stand before God on judgment day, he's going to say, did you correct a just rebuke, encourage with good sound teaching? Not with anger, not with lashing out at people, but speaking my word, whether it's popular or not, because there's coming a day where people won't want sound good teaching. And so Trendy Church is predominantly committed to building uh, people's positions. What happened in Adelaide is I ended up putting all these professional musicians on the stage. They were brilliant musicians. They were part of the Fab Four Beatles group, right? So they, they, they were a, a copy. What do they call it? A, 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 that represents the Beatles, you know, a cover, a cover band that have travelled the world. Brilliant musicians. Oh, well, we can't come to rehearsal. But we're good musicians. We just turn up on the day and we can pull it off. No problem. Stopped coming to prayer meetings. And one day I said, I'm not here to put on a show. If we have the show, we might lose the glow. If we just have the crowd, we might lose the cloud. One day Moses came off the mountain and his face was shining, but he didn't know. What we do is we put our glow on Facebook. Look how great we are. Awesome. It's amazing how disgruntled people from a church all get together because hurt people get together and then there's all the photos going up. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Let's put this on show. But Moses comes down from the mountain and he comes down from the mountain. He's got a glow because he's been with God, but he doesn't know he's got it. You know the kind of anointing I want? One that I don't know I've got, but everybody I'm touching receives from it. I don't have to know about it. I don't have to promote myself. I don't have to tell people on Facebook how I kicked it out of the park last Sunday, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Come on, guys. It's driving me nuts because I go to some of those churches and what I see on Instagram is nothing like what you do and see when you go there. We are destroying a generation by celebrating the wrong things. And instead of celebrating the glow, we celebrate the show. Instead of celebrating the cloud of glory, we celebrate the crowd that shows up. Trendy church. I've got to move on because I'm getting excited now. I'm getting some on-the-spot revelation right here. They build by association. They build people into church more than into Christ. What I mean by association is what big name can we get to boost our numbers next weekend for a special? 
There's nothing wrong with any of this if the why behind it is right. Because we all, I'm here today. We're in association. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater today. But, you know, you know, church has been going for 10 minutes. People come and join 400 people in one turn up. Do you think they're coming from the world? Or are they coming from other churches? Do you think the devil cares that we build lots of big churches that are all filled with people that are disgruntled from other churches? Or does heaven get excited when people come out of the kingdom of darkness and into God's marvellous light? Are you okay with me talking like this today? Because it gets really good in a minute. Just before I close, it gets really, really good. You're going to forget all this bad stuff. It's not bad. I'm prophesying today. And this is not to Generations Church. This is not to Newcastle, but it is to Newcastle, to Generations Church. It's to all of Australia and it's around the world because we've got people leaving the church by the thousands. One in five pastors that start in ministry now stay in ministry. The other four resign within five years. 1,740 pastors a month resigning around the world. And if we want our future generations, if I want my grandchild to be a youth pastor, if I want my other grandson who I baptised three weeks ago, and I want to tell you an amazing walk with God that he has, and I'll read one of his poems when we close, and I want to tell you, what do we want to pass on? When my dad came out from Italy and brought me to Australia, he wanted to give me a better life. He wanted to set up for me a life I couldn't have had in Italy. I want to give a church to the next generation and the one after that doesn't have church politics at the level we've seen, doesn't have disgruntled Christians that get offended at any little thing and they go round the mulberry bush looking for that Christmas tree when they should be putting their roots down and becoming a fruit tree. Come on, I'm preaching the truth today. And so, you know, we need to build people into Christ, not into church, not just transfer growth, but transforming growth in people's lives. I'll leave it there. But I'll say this. One day I was in a shopping centre. A man comes up to me from a Baptist church. He was a Baptist minister. He said, are you Pastor Danny? I said, yes, I am. He said, I want to congratulate you. I said, really? He said, yeah, my next door neighbour got born again in your church over a year ago. He was an alcoholic. Marriage busted up. He lives next door to me and I'm a Baptist pastor. He said, and I've watched him grow. From the day he gave his life to Christ to today, he's a different man. So whatever you've done to disciple him, congratulations. Do you know how refreshing it was to not hear, oh, you're from the big church up the road? Oh, Pastor Danny, you know, what have you done to grow so big? No, thank you. I saw the transformation. You know, he didn't know that my first passage of scripture for discipling Edge Church that God gave me in 1994, was Galatians 4:19, 18 and 19, where Paul says, I groan as a woman about to give birth until Christ is fully formed in you. And God said to me, I want you to judge your success as a pastor, not on bottoms on seats, trendy music, all that kind of stuff. I want you to judge it whether Christ formation is taking place in people's lives. Because if Christ is being formed in people's lives, fantastic. Going back to the musicians... They all left me. They all left me because I wouldn't make room for their professionalism as musicians. How does it feel as a pastor to be left with hardly anything? And the church is growing. And within a few months, I started raising up the teenagers, the young people in our church that love Jesus. 
And they are the young people that when James Morrison, the famous trumpet player, came to our church and did a live album, he did it with those kids who rose up through the church and then says to me, where did you get those musicians from? If I had given in to people's demands, if I had given in to the flesh, if I'd given in to what people want to build trendy church, I might end up with empty church. But let me tell you, sometimes there are seasons where it seems like things are going backwards. And it's only if we're building truth honouring church, it'll never go backwards long term. It'll just take off again and build what God's called it to be in its fullness. Traditional church, I'll be very quick on this one, is hanging on to church traditions that are not truth traditions. Arguing over style rather than spiritual transformation. Outward rather than inward. That was the Italian church that I grew up in. We're not talking Catholic tradition. We're not talking stained glass windows. And in fact, now I'm talking Pentecostal traditions. Oh, he got up and led worship with a hat on. Shouldn't have done that. I had to learn to play the violin. Because my father said drums were from the devil. I wanted to play the guitar and the drums. Because I wanted to be like the Beatles. I couldn't even have a mullet until after I left home. <laughs> and there I am in the Italian church playing the violin. Hated it. My uncle, my cousin used to take me every Thursday to the conservatory of music to learn to play the violin because I had to play in the church orchestra. There was a hot dog stand at the corner of Curry Street where the conservatory was. And I got excited every time I had to go to violin lessons because I could get a hot dog on the way home. You too could have a body like mine if you neglect it, but anyway. And then's the baptismal night in the Italian church. And we get up and the orchestra's playing and someone moves my chair. I didn't know they'd move my chair. I go to sit down, I hit the floor. The violin goes one way, the bow goes the other. And next Sunday night after church, all the Italians on reel to reel are showing the baptism movie. And everybody bursts out laughing, watching me fall over. One guy was watching me play the violin. He says, oh, he looks like he's cutting prosciutto. <laughs> Any Italians here? <laughs> you know I'm telling the truth. You know, the next day I went to a place called Trims and I sold my 18, made in the 1800s mahogany timber violin and I sold it for about 20 bucks at a hock shop and got caught the bus home, cried all the way home. I have not touched a violin from that day to this. I picked up the guitar and I learnt to play that according to the scriptures. Never let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, but um, I never touched the violin. I hated my father for doing that to me. They never apologised for destroying my self-esteem because that's part of the culture. They don't know any different. And a spirit of like a rejection thing hit me. And I hated the church. I hated religion, but Jesus set me free from church traditions that are not truth traditions. And today I'm standing with you, not in legalism, not in liberalism, but I'm standing in the love of Christ, which is holiness, which is a very, very different picture. I've got to move quickly, but listen to this very quickly. So that's traditional church. Truth honouring church is what God is looking for. I prophesy, Marty and Margot, that this is where you are going. This is what you are. This is what you've been. Not everybody understands it. But a truth-honouring church is committed to love and truth. 
Love isn't love. It's not married to truth. Are we just going to love everybody? Even with this whole same sex thing that's going on at the moment, the plebiscite thing, Christians are confused. Really? They're either so angry and bashing the community and not loving the broken or, oh, but we've got to love everybody and if two people love each other and the Word of God has no traction in a loving environment where we can bring hope to a broken world. Wish I could tell you some stories, but I can't right now. We've run out of time. Where a truth-honouring church is committed to love and truth. They kiss each other. They marry to each other. Commitment to correct interpretation of the Bible. People don't know the Bible anymore. We used to say as Pentecostals that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. I can take you to hundreds of Pentecostal churches that don't believe that anymore. So we've got to be committed to correct interpretation of the Word of God. We've got to be committed to bringing divine change. I'm committed right now to bring divine change, build divine culture and build divine connections because that's how we bring about the future church that God wants to build, the truth-honouring church. Loving all people, loving all people, but not compromising our convictions. God said to me only recently, Danny, live by three rules, and I do. Live to the audience of one. Live to the audience of one. When you go to bed at night, do you know that God's happy? Number two, love everybody. But don't compromise your convictions. So don't attack people. Just speak about ungodly behaviour. Hey, I love you, but that behaviour doesn't line up with the Bible. I can't permit that and permit the Bible. They don't match. But I'm not judging you as a person. I just can't amen that behaviour. And I'm doing that. You know how many people are responding now and coming to repentance? Because I'm not bashing them. I'm building them with truth. And so I want the musicians to come, but I just want to share something in a moment that will absolutely revolutionise you, I believe. Live to the audience of one. Love people unconditionally. And Danny, be the messenger, not the Messiah. You know, I can, I'm bringing a message today that I know is the truth. Whether you like it or not, whether you receive it or react to it is not my issue. I'm the messenger. Now, if you can come to me with scripture and say what you did was take scripture out of context, that's wrong. I'll, I'll listen because I don't want to stand before God with blood on my hands. This is not about winning arguments. This is about honouring Jesus and building his church. And so truth honouring church has all those other things. We have nice buildings. Thank God you've done new carpet. I didn't like that other carpet. This is really good. <laughs> I, I love what you're doing. It's great. Those things are all good, but they're not what we live for. Yeah. It's great to have great musicians, but I'd rather have great worship yeah. than musicianship. And I thought it was great this morning anyway on both sides, musicianship and the worship. And so let me ask this question. How do you build a truth-honouring church? Simple. Build a truth-honouring life. Church is only as good as every individual. You build a truth-honouring church by people in that church building a truth-honouring life and here it comes. You know, I have spoken this to unsaved people. You've been to Enzo's restaurant in Adelaide. Italian restaurant just won an award for best South Australian restaurant. He rings me about four weeks ago. Hello, Danny. My daughter, she's suicidal. Can you come to the restaurant and talk to her? So I get in the car. I made sure I went about 11 o'clock so then I could get lunch afterwards. But anyway. 
I turned up at Enzo's restaurant. Natalie, his beautiful daughter, 19 years old. She doesn't mind me telling you the story. Starts crying. I'm ugly. I look in the mirror. I don't like what I see. I have funny thoughts. Don't want to stick around. She's gorgeous. I said, Natalie, why do you think that way? Bullied at school. The media, social media, stuff said to her on Instagram and everything else. And I started saying something to Natalie that I'm preaching everywhere right now. And I didn't start with the scripture today, but I'm going to finish. And when I read this to you, and I'm going to give you a few words, you're going to see how we can build truth honouring church. When Jesus arrived, Matthew 16, 13 in the message, in the village of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some say he is John the Baptizer. Some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Most trendy churches in Australia live by what some say. We've got the church of the some say. Some say Marty did this. Some say the church has done this. Some say they've swept this under the carpet. But until we get to personal knowledge, you can't live by what some say. You can't live by the congregation of some say. And so they say, some say this, some say that. He pressed them, how about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter responds. He didn't ask Peter, he asked all of them. But Peter had the revelation and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen to this. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from other people or teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. I said, Natalie, the reason why you're confused about your identity is because you don't know who God is. And if you don't know who God is, you will never know who you are. So when Jesus hears from Peter, you are deity, not just a good teacher. You're Christ, the Son of the living God. If you, you please, please write this down. This will change your life. It changed mine. Please write it down. Even on your phone, it's going to be just a few words. They'll change your life forever. They will for me. They have for me. When we have a revelation of deity, God will show us our identity. Number two. Deity, number one. Identity, number two. Hey, Peter, now that you have a clear understanding of who I am, I'm going to show you who you are. Once we find our identity, number three, we have clarity. You know, Pete, I'm going to do something with your life. You're going to build a church for me. You're going to be one of my disciples. You know the, you know the conversation. See, when we have a clear understanding of deity, we won't fight for anything. I've never fought for one position in the church. Because the will of God comes looking for me. I don't have to have the ministry of hints. When I know deity, He will show me my identity. And when I have my identity, He will give me clarity. 
Then He will show me my destiny. Hey, Peter, you are going to build this amazing church. Then He gives him authority. The gates of hell are not going to stop you. That's good authority. The gates of hell are trying to stop us coming in. You don't see gates down the street as weapons of attack. I haven't seen anybody rip up some gates and chase someone down the street with them. We think the gates of hell are coming towards us. No, we're coming against the gates of hell. When you know deity, you will have identity. You will find clarity. You will find destiny. Then you will have authority. And ladies and gentlemen, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven is victory. Now, if, now, ladies and gentlemen, please listen to this is prophetic right now. If every individual believes that in the church, Generations Church as a community has no problems breaking through. Because if we have it individually, we'll have it all. corporately. If Generation Church believes in deity, then He will show Generations Church its identity, who Generations Church is meant to be. Then He will give you clarity. Then He will promise you'll get to your destiny. Then you will have authority and then you will have victory. That means it doesn't matter how many people leave, how many people come. It does matter because we should care about everyone that leaves. But it doesn't define if we're connected to deity what our identity is going to be. It doesn't define our clarity. Deity does all that. Father, in Jesus' name today, I prophesy over this house, truth honouring church era. Father, traditional church will stifle us and kill us and give us law. Trendy church will give us licence and cheap grace. But truth honouring church will always be trendy and always have godly traditions because we're honouring biblical truth. That won't be law, that'll be love. Thank you for a church that is bathed right now called Truth Honouring Church in this country, not just this congregation, in representing the genuine and biblical love of God. Father, help us not to attack traditional church, but to be compassionate and loving. Help us not to attack trendy church. But Lord, will you open our eyes today to see what we're called to build? Will you open our eyes as I prophesy as we close today that this house is not called to a new season. This house is called to a new era. Seasons can have a short lifespan, but an era can set up the next generation and the one after that. Heavenly Father, baptise us today with the accent of heaven. May we be recognised as people of revelation and not reason. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We've run out of time and I will read tonight.